we have to be careful with how quickly we attack men as well, because I think that there's two sides to every story and, and we do need to listen to women. We do need to listen to the men as well. And I saw something happen and destroy a person. And, and then the backup came and he was exonerated from the whole situation. There's a fine line of just being so polarized, you know, that we exclude any man from being, you know, okay. And we exclude any woman from it. So we have to find our happy medium. And I think women and men are still trying to find their, their meeting place in the middle where that we can all live safely and comfortably and, and women can feel safe and men can feel safe as well. And it's, and it's a think piece, that's for sure. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. I want to know what you like or don't like about the podcast. You can leave a message by calling 614-636-2240. Again, it's 614-636-2240. Leave me a message and who knows, you might hear yourself on the podcast. Laura, that Porsche girl, is in the driver's seat today. She's a former Hollywood precision driver, having doubled actresses like Julia Roberts, Jennifer Conley, Mary Louise Parker, and Jennifer Coolidge, just to name a few. Laura has also been featured in Automobile Magazine and hosted the California Festival of Speed. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Lara, that Porsche girl, which is pretty cool. And I found you on Instagram. I always scour Instagram for women, empowering women. And ultimately, I love how you represent women in the industry. I did the pre-recorded bio, so the listeners know a little bit about you. But what I'd like to start with, Lara, is the kind of 60,000-foot view of a little bit of your background, and then we'll get into some of the good juicy stuff because in the pre-interview, you brought up some really cool topics that I would love to dive into, but let's get the listeners a little more acclimated with who Lara, that Porsche girl, is. So why don't we start in the beginning a little bit, and then we'll uh, kind of work through your career. Okay. Well, my first job was at a yogurt shop. No, <laughs> um, actually... <laughs> Let's go way back. Um, I was a babysitter. No, um, when I first started working, I was a model and I moved to New York and there's a long sorted story that got me there, but I just basically thought I should probably just run to New York and do it there if I'm going to do it anywhere. And uh, when I came back to California, which is where I was sort of from, I was born not in California, but basically most of my growing up years were in California. I wanted to get into modeling on the West Coast as well. And it was just a very different market from what my pictures were. So I just started doing 
um, I was quite young. So I started doing extra work, trying to get my Screen Actors Guild card and um, get work as an actress. And during that time, I would basically started doubling actresses, being a stand-in, doing second unit work as as the actress, you know, kind of um, did a couple of commercials, things like that. And during my time, I met Eddie Murphy's stunt devil, and his name is Greg Elam, and he was a stuntman, and he also was saying how much they need women to do car stunts and um, stunts in general because it's really a man's world. So I said, I'm in. And he had some classes. I did a couple things. I'm a little bit of a chicken when it comes to hardcore stunts, but we learned how to do small high falls and um, you know, fighting scenes and different things like that. Just learning how to work and basically choreograph, you know, a fight scene. Uh, then we got into driving and just, you know, did a couple of course things. And as long as you're a confident driver, you can be a precision driver. And so I started getting jobs as a precision driver and doubling actresses as well, kind of led into that. Maybe sometimes the actress wouldn't have her driver's license. So I would be her the driver on screen, you know, for her and dress like her and be her double. I'm chuckling over here, Laura, because you're so modest. <laughs> you're, just, you're so you're so humble. Um, I I have to pull it out of you because it it fascinated me when I read the pre interview <laughs> form. You said, "Oh, I just double some actresses." Yeah. Can we? Do you care name dropping a little bit some of the actresses that you've actually doubled? <laughs> because it's pretty I've impressive. <laughs> Yeah, I've doubled Julia Roberts. I've doubled Jennifer Connelly, Renee Russo, Amanda Pays, uh, Mary Louise Parker. Um, she was the one who didn't have her license at the time. Uh, I mean, so many different people. Oh, Jennifer Coolidge. In some of these women, you didn't just double them once. It, multiple movies, you doubled them. Yeah, I worked on three movies with Julia Roberts and... Um, and basically, you know, I would be their stand-in or, uh, you know, I would get a little bit part. I've doubled Diane Keaton. I actually stood in for her and just just different things kind of came up because I was working every day. Just doing the stand-in work is easy to get. And so once you're on set, you might meet people and then they're like, oh, you can do a stunt or, oh, you can do a precision driving. And a lot of times they'll use your car or they'll put you in a, one of the picture cars or a box truck. You know, it's always different. And when people would offer things like, oh, can you drive a box truck? I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> or I'm going to learn. <laughs> I'm going to learn as I go. I don't say no to much. <laughs> right, right. Educate the listeners a little bit between like stunt driving and precision driving. So stunt driving is, I mean, one of the most impressive things to watch, especially live. If you're watching any stuntmen, you know, driving around and you're on set, it's, it is, they are incredible. Like there is, you know, they're coming within inches of walls and people and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's, you know, high speed. It's what you see is what you get. Um, It's pretty incredible. But with precision driving, it's avoiding, you know, hitting a car or, you know, maybe just someone that's choreographed to come towards you. You both skid at the same time. You both have a mark to stop at. I've done that with, you know, like sometimes you have children in the car. So you really have to be a person who has confidence and is going to keep the child safe, yourself safe. Um, It's usually choreographed to the point where the other driver might be a stunt driver. He's going to stop on a dime no matter what. You just have to break and get around him. It's resetting, getting back to one quickly without holding up production. You know, stopping on a sandbag. You don't always see the sandbag, so you have to just know where it is. You get your own markers for yourself and stuff like that. 
and then sometimes it's just doubling a girl who doesn't know how to drive. So, you know, or, or the girl is doing another scene and you're doing B unit stuff where it's just over her shoulder and she's driving, you know, mm-hmm. one time I, I did one where I'm just, they're just over my shoulder and I'm driving down Ventura Boulevard and they're just getting the scenes, but they're getting the corner of my hair and the corner of my shoulder. So it's, you know, I'm the similar yeah. size and as the actress and it's really pretty basic. You just, shouldn't bump into anyone and <laughs> know how to stop and, and kind of get around fast. And that sounds easier said than done. Because when, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, driving, I drive every day. But that's different yeah. than driving on set too, because you have literally hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment and everything all around you. And I imagine it's a, a smaller confined space compared to the everyday driver who's out there just driving to the grocery store. Yeah. And you have to be aware of, you know, maybe the, the crew and, you know, you, you definitely don't want to not hit your mark because they'll be like, okay, do it again. And so you just really, the, the concentration is just making sure that you hit your mark, stop when you're supposed to stop, you know, keep driving at a certain pace that kind of stuff. So a lot of things you'll be driving alongside someone or keeping pace with the camera car and they're shooting back at you. Um, and you, you know, you just can't be intimidated by maybe keep, if they're like, can you get 10 feet closer or can you get 10 feet farther back and just work with them? A lot of times you have a walkie talkie in the car. So it's, it's just basic stuff if you have confidence. And I think a lot of people get nervous when you put the working parts along with mm-hmm. it and, or some people just aren't very confident drivers in general. And right. I'm always surprised by it because I think it's kind of an easy thing to do. It's like, oh, you just don't bump into the camera. Yeah, right. <laughs> you <laughs> kind of have to have that mindset though. Laura, do you care sharing? You shared this story with me about the box truck and I thought it was hilarious. You shared it with me in the pre-interview and I'm like, talk about working under pressure. And it was it was funny. Do you care sharing that story? No, I have no problem <laughs> because it's one of those things where you learn it and you'll never, you'll never do it again. So I get in a big box truck. I was going to be doubling Amanda Pays on a, on a show. Um, and the guy said, do you know how to drive a box truck? I'm like, I mean, sure. You know, do you drive stick? I'm like, yes, no problem. So, um, I get in and he gets in with me and he goes, well, let's just take it around the block and just get you acclimated to the car. Cause he knew I hadn't driven one, but I, I was like, I can do it. I got this. So we were up in LA right around fourth street or sixth street bridge. And, I go to turn and I kind of took it slow. He's like, just take it slow. And I basically, there was a pull and I kind of just sort of grazed it and I just stopped. He knew, he's like, glad I didn't continue. I just, "Mm, I think I'm a little close to the pole. He's like, yeah. So he's like, this is, this is the side of the picture that we're going to be doing too. So just back it up. I backed it up. He's like, you got it. Just go wide. And you'll never forget to go really wide when you have a big truck. It was a huge box truck. So it was a lot to just drink in. It's that first time when you have to learn to take the corner very wide so that you that you don't cut it and nothing like learning while it's on the job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With the picture truck. Calm, cool, and collected. And just let me just that was just a little close. Let me just back that up. That is yeah, I was I was 21 and I'm like, got this, no problem, <laughs> you know, and he's, he's like, okay, well, let's just try it. But he he actually was pretty impressed by the end of the day, because I, you know, there's a million takes, you have to go back and forth, turn it around, do three point turns to get back around, come back and set to one. And it was, uh, it, it got really comfortable. But you know, first time out here, here I go, I'm just gonna wreck the picture truck right away. <laughs> 
Now, you were in that industry for quite some time, and then things started to shift for you. What, what was the major turning point? Well, major turning point was um, I moved down to Orange County. Um, I got married and I moved down to Orange County. And most of the production I was working on was in Los Angeles or in the Valley or, you know, all the big studios are in the Valley and some are, it's just, it's a lot of driving. So to work every day is a lot. And so I just kind of refocused and started doing modeling and and then really settled in becoming a fit model, which is basically working with fashion designers and um, pattern makers to make clothing fit. So I'm kind of not fat, not skinny. I'm just straight in the middle and they kind of grade up and down from my body and use me as a talking mannequin. And I kind of tell them where and what, how to change things to make it feel better to make it fit better. And, um, and that's what I've been doing for a long time now. And that's fascinating because when you first said it, I had to check myself because I imagine you get this a lot when people hear fit model, they automatically think of fitness. Yes. And it's not that it's more like a fit technician. I wish it wouldn't be called fit model because they'll say, Oh, you're a model. I'm like, no, my hair's in a bun, no makeup. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm basically getting ill-fitting clothes put on me. We kind of cut them up and and make them adjust them and add, you know, to see what we need to add. You cut, pin, add in pieces of cloth sometimes to make it work. And a lot of the stuff I do is swim now. So swim is sort of my specialty, but I've done everything from, you know, gowns, wedding gowns to suits to, you know, leather to all sorts of stuff, just lingerie I've done, all sorts of stuff. And um, it's been great, but I, I drive a lot to Los Angeles as well. But it's for the sure thing. It's not for going on castings I'm working. And so I don't mind driving as long as I know I'm, I've got the work. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be going on castings every single day, hoping for a shot. You know, it's just, it's a lot, you know, in Los Angeles with the traffic. Oh, I, I could only imagine. So just out of curiosity, because when I, when I hear about, you know, working in LA and then being a fit model, and a lot of women are probably, when they listen to this, it kind of, some of that sounds like the antichrist to them. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> you know, someone taking your measurement all the time. And, you know, there's this this whole thing around females in their image, right? Um, yes. And challenges around that. I mean, how do you deal with that? Because I'm sitting there thinking like your job is to be measured on a regular basis try on yes. clothes and you use the word ill-fitting clothes on a regular basis. Yes. Like, how do you handle, like, how do you deal with that? Does it ever like get to your confidence or anything where you're like, ah, today I feel bloated or fat and I don't really want to do this. Yeah. Or... Yeah. You spend a lot of time in the mirror and I, if I had to lose weight to get a certain job, I, I, I wouldn't do it because you can't be consistent in that way. You can't, some, I, my body is comfortable at a certain size and it kind of don't fluctuate very much, which is what you, you can't be a person who yo-yo diets or any of that. So I, I just kind of, I, I, I don't diet. I, I eat what I want, but I'm, you know, obviously always keeping myself somewhat in check, but I don't, I've never really been a big dieter. So if, if you are technically one size, you, you, you stay that size, it's pretty much what size you should be fitting at. Because if you try to lose weight to get that cool job, you're, you're most likely going to lose it. If you, God forbid, have a 
a big meal on a weekend. (laughs) Right. So the worst thing that I experienced was switching to doing swim and, and, you know, your body image, you know, they, they take pictures of you in the ill fitting swim front side and back for everything with your head cut off usually. And, um, so you, you see all sorts of things that you don't even know are behind you, you know? And so sometimes I just don't, I don't look at them. And what it did for me was it strengthened my confidence as opposed to the opposite. And it was because I just got used to it. It's such a part of my everyday uh, people looking at me and they're really not looking at my flaws. They're looking at the garment and uh, they're so used to doing that themselves in their job. You know, if you walked in, you'd be like, oh my gosh, she's wearing this and why is she doing, you know, that person's doing this or whatever. Sometimes I'll take pictures when it's funny. Like, you know, I do a lot of things like where's the crotch seam? And people will grab at it. You know, <laughs> women, you know, I work with a lot of women. Right, right. I'll be like, good morning. <laughs> well, well. I'm like, I know it's not a good day unless you've touched my crotch seam, you know, but, um, right. but it's, it's really funny because you just desensitize. Like if they did that to me in the grocery store, we'd have a problem. Right, but right. yeah, I'll be like, can you reach in here? And can you feel this? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and you get very personal with the people you're working with. And, um, and it's just been good for me because there's a point where you're, as you're getting older, you're, you know, you're not going to get any better from right, the day right. before. So you, you just kind of live with it. And we all die someday and we all age. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really helped me to just be like, you know, it is, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm not trying to compete with, you know, a 22 year old anymore with my body. I'm you're you. It's allowed me to accept myself. Yes. That's a beautiful message. It's, it's accepting you for you. And you said something interesting, and and I'll be honest, I never really thought about it because every woman, and probably male too, it's just I'm a female, so I'm speaking from my experience, you go through this acceptance of yourself. And not only you as a person, but like me physically, yourself physically. What I noticed when I was younger, I did not want to look at myself. Hmm. Like if you're dressed up, you'll look at yourself in the mirror when you're getting ready. But to actually look at yourself in the mirror, either naked or bathing suit on a regular basis, a lot of times people avoid that. And they'll see themselves yeah. in like maybe a picture, someone snaps a picture or whatever. But what I love about what you said is you get more comfortable with it the more you see it and you found acceptance for just who yeah. you are and how God made you the more that you actually looked at yourself. I think that's fascinating. You know, one of the turning points for me as well, and this is, it sounds so, so much worse than it was. It, I, I started, I did an exercise class. My friend was doing um, pole dancing and it was all women, you know, no mirrors. Those look like a riot, by the way. Well, if you, I, I did S factor and it's really a workout. I mean, yeah. I got so strong. It was nuts. I mean, I could flip upside down and hang off the pole. Like, I installed one in my house. I mean, you get really into <laughs> That's it. Awesome. So. I've, I've heard it's one of the most amazing core workouts and getting a group of women together to do it just, it actually sounds fun too. It, it was really empowering. And it was right around the time I was switching to start instead of just doing clothes, I was doing swim. And then now that's, Basically, all I do is swim. All, I mean, all most of my clients are swim. So, I mean, there's not a day I go to the beach where I don't see my bathing suits on the on the beach. So, I did this pole dancing class, and there were women that were 100 and 
95 pounds, 200 pounds, whatever, and swinging around that bar and we were screaming for them. And we had, you know, as you get, you have to level up and we got to like level six and you, you're very advanced and you can hang upside down and climb all over the place. And then as people would do a spotlight dance and it's just all girls, no mirrors. And so the mirrors are what slow people down when they, when they're feeling it, you, that's what it's all about is if you're feeling good about yourself, then, then other people are feeling it. And, and I even learned that when I was younger, I remember I was walking into a nightclub and no one looked at me and I was really bummed out, but I was like, as on point as I could be look wise for my, you know, whatever my hair was doing it, everything was right. And no one looked at me and cause I was in such a crappy little mood mm-hmm. and, and I was going through a breakup and I was like, really sad. And I, I thought it was so interesting. And where sometimes I've gone into like these fancy parties. I remember I, after an acting class, I went to this like ball gown party and I was in my acting jean, my jeans and like a blazer and a, and, and a t-shirt and I got more attention <laughs> and it was so funny because I kind of just bounced in and, you know, and I was with my boyfriend at the time and, but it was the craziest thing is just really how you feel. And I felt great that day and I, I was happy. And so it really wasn't about how my hair was looking and it was really about what I was exuding. And so with the pole dancing, it's the same thing when you're exuding pure joy and you're having fun and the girls are all yelling for you and you feel it. And you can tell when the girls are into not, you know, we're not stripping or anything. We're just, you know, we're hanging and it's really athletic, you know? And so it really, what you're putting out is what you're getting back. And I, I think that that is how I've tried to live my life as far as when I put my attention towards something. I I really try to give my all, even like with my Instagram followers or whatever, I try to be kind to all of them and give them all a little time. If they're asking questions about a car or me or whatever, I try to give my, my attention as opposed to just being this girl, like follow me, you know, and I try to become not a friend, but kind of sometimes a friend and, and um, just depending on the person. So I've just learned that after my pole dancing thing, I had a confidence with my body and an acceptance that was way different than I had ever had. And it was because I saw the beauty in other women and them doing it. And maybe that weren't physically the perfect ideal of a woman, maybe society's perfect ideal of a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who's heavy set, but exuded so much joy. And Mm -hmm. I would love to watch her dance. And it was, it was eye opening to me. And so it became how I wanted to live my life and to just covering myself from walking to the beach. It, it, it's more distracting than if you just walk to the beach and let it all fly. You know, yeah. you're just like, okay, I've got flaws, I've got imperfections. And, and if I'm obsessed about it, that's way less attractive than just being confident. Yes, that is beautifully put. And I want to bring the listeners along here because what, what they're hearing is you're a fit model. It's like, okay, well, you used to be a precision driver. Let's talk about now, because I want to pull them in and, and what drew me to you. And the name kind of gives it away, that Porsche girl. But you're starting to go down a path now uh, that you're pursuing. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, the path is kind of unrolling in front of me because I, I kind of tell people I'm crossing my arms and going down the river and I am allowing things that I like, you know, like with this podcast, it, you know, people have asked me to do certain things and I'm I, you know, I try to be picky and choosy about what, what I do. And I loved what you were doing for women. And 
So it does, it's not about how many followers or how many things. I just want to do things that feel right for me. And, and also to be true to like my following of it, you know, if I'm going to do this, I might as well be authentic and being doing what I want to do. So I just have, I've had some cool opportunities, you know, being in automobile magazine and I've met all these women here in um, Southern California. There's a group called Women in Porsche that was started by Lorena Esposito. And, you know, I've met so many girls through that. And the president of um, Porsche Club LA has become a good friend of mine, uh, Mariana Small. And we've just all supported one another. And, you know, and, and so opportunities are opening up. And I'd love to get back into precision driving or doing the rallies. I've been asked to do some rallies um, with COVID now. One was canceled. Um, it was supposed to be uh, in France. And so I'm still doing it next year, but it's just, you know, things have been coming my way and I'm accepting, I'm just kind of open arming it right now and just trying to be as authentic as possible. And, and the, the people are following me. And so I'm just kind of, I don't know, riding down the river. Maybe what I think I want to do isn't what's going to happen. So I'm, I'm just kind of being open. And the common thing that I'm hearing in there is automotive right? And it it kind of, it may not be direct, but it may be through the precision driving. It seems like uh, you've always had kind of an interest around it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, since I was a little girl, and I've told this story before, but you know, when I saw a woman, my mom, one of my mom's friends was an executive, she was single, and she bought a Porsche. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, she doesn't have a husband and she's got a Porsche. I want one too. And I was 12 at the time and it just stuck with me. I have masculine taste in cars, I would say. And I hate to say that because it's changing now. It shouldn't be a masculine thing. It should be that it's just a a great car. And I love, I love the the style of this car and that's what drew me to him. So um, I just always saw women driving the SUVs and the station wagons and the mom cars. And I, you know, just to see a woman single buy her own brand new Porsche. It was, that was it. Yeah. I was, I knew I could do it too. I hear you. And, and I call them the mom mobiles and, and I have one. Yeah. I drive an SUV, yeah. but yeah. I know what you're saying to, to be a, a young girl at 12 years old, really starting to come into her own, see that, that model of female empowerment. It's, yeah. it's like her playgirl car. Yeah, it was, it, she was an executive. There was so much about it was like she she had she was living in a male dominated dominated world, driving a male car, you know, in, of the time, you know, and it just it impressed on me, and I I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that too. That's what I want, you know. And so I I set out that intention, and it's funny because even my friends would ask me what I want for my birthday, and I'd say I want a Porsche, and they <laughs> they would be like, okay, what else do you want? I'm like, right. well, if you're not going to give me the Porsche, you know, yeah, I'm like, what do you what do you ask? What do you tell people? Right. I want really nice, <laughs> you know, yeah. right. you you have to be open, you know, like so. I just would say a Porsche every time, and then they gave me a, a red cup, one of those drink cups, yeah, with a tin foil over the top with some money inside, and it said for the real Porsche. That's awesome. And <laughs> I had it for the longest time, you know, until I got mine. That is awesome. So you own a Porsche now? Yeah. Um, my first one I bought, I don't have anymore, was a 2007 uh, convertible Carrera 997. And now we we both own um, a 930 Turbo, uh, 1982 Euro 
930 turbo and a 911 T, which is from 1969. We have a um, 2015 Macon S and I have a little Boxster that I'm selling that I just bought. I'm just going to, I'm selling it. I don't like it. (laughs) No offense. (laughs) No, no. So definitely an affinity and love for Porsche. No doubt about that. There's another thing that really shined through to me when I have read through some of your posts, and that's you wanting to do your part in empowering other women and to break stereotypes, break down barriers and stereotypes. And there's a quote that you said that really resonated with me, where it's like, I want to help girls get off the hoods and into the driver's seat. And I'm like, ooh, I like that. It's kind of my mantra. Yeah. Stop being an accessory in the picture. Yes. And let's let's really start being taken seriously as analysts around this. And you've yeah. talked about the possibility of, you know, you see a lot of men review cars. Well, why not women review cars? When when you look at the statistics of buying cars, more women are buying cars than men. Yeah, they're missing out on half of the population. And so and what, you know, some of the publications that even I've been in have noticed was, you know, we we did the Women in Porsche for Automobile Magazine and they the readers were like quadruple what they normally get. And so they they really took notice that wow, you know, people want to read about these women, you know, people whether it's men wanting to read about women or women wanting to read about women, you know, I mean, it's funny because my following, I have 8%. I just checked it today and it never really varies. Sometimes it's 9%, but um, I have 8% women and 92% men. Um, So it's still a male dominated world, but I think, you know, a lot of the the automotive channels now are noticing that people want to see women and I'm, I'm in talks about a TV show right now. And you know, I don't want it to be that I'm the accessory handing the wrench to the guy that's going to do the work on the car. I, I see there's a lot of women who will be working on cars and doing that stuff and they're talented. And, but then I feel like every show is around a man and a man's point of view. And I want women pulled up to the table at the bare minimum because we have different perspectives in cars. Like we don't maybe want to take it on two wheels around a corner on, you know, on Angela's crest. We want to sometimes, you know, give our input in a different way, in a more feminine way, but it's still, we might be still ripping around those corners, but in a different way. And um, there's not enough of that. And I think to be brought to the table, it, it would be nice. And there are, there are some automotive journalists. I'm, there's um, Abigail Bassett, who is a friend of mine um, through Instagram, really. I've, I've yet to meet her, but we talk all the time. And, um, you know, different people who, who are women and they're writing um, as well, but it's, you know, few and far between. And um, I think there should be more of that as well. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And when we were talking during the pre-interview, that's that's a message that I really connected with. And one of the reasons why I started the Femcanic Garage podcast is there are women in the automotive and motorsports industry that are interviewed. Majority of the time they're interviewed by men. And This is one thing I would say to any network out there. It is a different experience when a female is interviewed by another female and when a female provides the female perspective. Because one, you know, if if you're hosting 
or when when I hear you say a seat at the table, it, it's it's truly a seat at the table where it's providing your feedback and leading some of those conversations. What is important e- in- equally? Yes, too, equally. Yes, you know, not just as a side note. It should be two women, two men. You know, not like three men or four men and one girl giving input. You know, there's so many of us out there. And the female has to wear skimpy outfit with cleavage showing. <laughs> yeah. And and th- no disrespect to the girls that are doing that and that have a knowledge of cars, but they also play up the beauty of themselves. And, you know, and, I mean, it, it's going to happen. This is, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. But I, I think the questions that are given to women and the, and the, and the perspective that women are allowed to give or scripted to give is different than, than should be happening. I, I, you know, I, I like the, I like when women can just fight back or say, no, I disagree. And and I find if I disagree on anything and I've talked to men where they've literally moved their bodies to block, you know, and, and even, even people who I know love and respect me, they'll speak over when I haven't, when I have an opinion it, we could be about anything, you know, a bunch of the guys will be over here while we'll be talking cars or whatever. And I'll throw in, a, it'll just be glazed over. And yeah, I have to fight to get my words in. I'll go, no, no, no. And I'm a fighter. So I will, right. I will get my word in and, and it comes off obnoxious sometimes because I'm like, well, stop. Well, wait, we'll wait, wait. I do wait a lot. And my boyfriend will be like, you always say wait, but it's, I feel like sometimes women have to fight to get their, their opinions in. And and it's not that, I mean, these are people who love me and, and are, are open to my point of view, but I, I do find that men tend to, to look at one another during the conversation and then they'll side eye you as well. In the ma- and the mansplaining, there's, there's another one. Oh, I love that. I actually love to, I love to bait people in. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's so good. Well, I, I tell you what, the, the, just getting the female's perspective is a totally missed mark. And, and I think about the Motor Trend Network. And when yeah. I think about that, um, my day job, I work at Safe Light Auto Glass. And I had the opportunity to go to an all-girls garage recording when they were featuring Safe Light Auto Glass product. And mm-hmm. I was there and I, I did my research and the Motor Trend in general is very heavy on the male side. And that's their target market. But I'm sitting there thinking to myself, there is a whole other half of the population in this world that statistically, when you talk about buying cars, and even if you talk to men, they will tell you if my wife or girlfriend is on board with a build or buying a car or whatever, and they're comfortable with it financially, it makes their life easier. So why not bring them yeah. into the fold and start catering more to what women are interested in? Yeah, get them amped on it. I mean, yeah. I think I mean that's where that's where the SUV market has come for these luxury brands as well. Um, you know, I, I think I think they they're trying, and a lot of women aren't into cars. I mean, it, it really is. I'll say, oh, this car. And go, I I don't know what that car is. You know, they they know every purse, but they don't know what the car is. And it, it there is gender stereotypes that are real. But um, I do think there's ways of bringing people in where it appeals to the woman. It, it, it's it's happening. I, and I, I do know that specifically I've heard that Motor Trend, as well as Automobile Magazine and all the, they, you know, they're looking 
four women at this point, but it, it tends to be a woman in a plaid shirt, jeans, long hair, lots of makeup. And, and that seems to be the go-to. And, you know, I, I hope that it changes. Um, I, I, I definitely think that there's ways to bring women in on the shows that the men won't be bored with. And right. I've, I've discussed that with, with my friends closely. I'm like, they're like, we just don't want to hear what a woman has to say. And he's like, they'll say, I know this is so sexist. And I'm like, yeah, but, but you're, you're talking about not even a person. <laughs> we're not, we're just talking about a woman, but she might have a lot of information, right. but I feel like it, it takes, it takes winning the Indy 500 to get their attention. We're like, Oh, I'll listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying and it's incredibly frustrating and it's this, um, figuring out how to break in because you, you've used the phrase, I want to get women a seat at the table. I want to do my part to whatever that may be. And like you said, you're, you're kind of just going down the river and seeing where it takes you. But what does that mean? Like, what do you envision when you say, I want to see women get a seat at the table as it relates to the automotive industry. What would that look like to you? I just saw an interview and I don't even, I can't even tell you what it was, but it was just four guys, you know, talking about cars. And, and there's a lot of us out there that would have been great at the table, literally at the table. So there's, there's all the, the obvious guys that are, they're great. They're very knowledgeable, but they've also been allowed to be exposed to more cars for every time I'm saying this, I, I, I don't feel sorry for women. I don't think that, you know, that, that they're trying to keep us out or in, I, I found more acceptance in the Porsche community from men and people asking me my opinion over my Instagram. It's been really interesting. Like, Hey, can you help me make this decision about which car to buy or what, what steering wheel is on the 930? And I'll go and measure it and I'll make sure it's the right one that I'm, you know, it's a Momo and it's this, and I, I'll look it up myself and I really, I've educated myself even on certain things that, um, you know, you just don't keep in your back pocket all the time, you know, and now I, you know, I, re- I retain a lot. So I, you know, the, everything that's been going into my head has just been also educating me. So I think there's a lot of women, you know, like the journalists and stuff out there that are, that have such a knowledge and love to drive and all of it. And, and just like I said, even if it's a, just a, a woman's perspective and just taking that turn for a minute where we can also be at the table going, yeah, but you know, you know, where's my coffee go? <laughs> like there was no cup holders in Porsches forever, you know, so things like that. But I mean, just making it comfortable for both sexes. And, you know, I had a friend who was going to buy a car and she said, we just didn't get the Porsche because it didn't have cup holders. I'm like, you're insane. But, um, but it's just comes down to little things like that, that, um, even down to design, there's not a lot of women in, in design that I've heard of anyway. Acura is the biggest one that I've seen. Is there? Is it a woman designer? Yeah, for the NSX. So they're Interesting. Acura's supercar. It was in what I read in, I can't remember the the article where it was from, but it was a reputable magazine where the executives did an anonymous submission. So they didn't know if it was a man or a woman. And Perfect. she ended up winning it. And it makes you wonder if it wasn't anonymous, if she would have won it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that they did that for her. And who knows if they did it for her, if they just were curious of doing it. I I just, I found it interesting. You know, it happens. My boyfriend's in comics. Um, He's a comic book artist and 
you know, they keep talking about having women, you know, more women and, and because now the movements of me too and all that. And, and I've seen both sides where we've, we had a friend that was me too'd and um, we know he was innocent. You know, there was, there's different things that have been happening where we, you know, we have to be careful with how quickly we, we attack men as well, because I think that there's two sides to every story and, and we do need to listen to women. We do need to listen to the men as well. And unfortunately that like some people will get hate mail, but, but I, I saw something happen and destroy a person and, and then the backup came and he was exonerated from the whole situation. But comics, the women will be like, there has to be more women. And a lot of the submissions, you don't know who, or they have they have um, names that they're, they don't show their sex or whatever, but you know, a lot of it is just based on the art. And so really it should just be based on our merit. Uh, it should be based on our knowledge. It should be based on that and not on our sex. And there's a fine line of, of, of just being so polarized, you know, that we exclude any man from being, you know, okay. And we exclude any woman from it. So we have to find our happy medium. And I think women and men are still trying to find their, their meeting place in the middle where that we can all live safely and comfortably and, and women can feel safe and men, you know, can feel safe as well. And it's, and it's the think piece. That's for sure. I totally agree. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. We need, we need to not be polarized on everything and try to find this happy place and, and, and not so it shouldn't be like, even that I call it a masculine car. It should be just like, I like, cool cars, you know, whatever it is, but it, we, we give it a sex. It's crazy. I know it is crazy. And it's, it's a process, right? It's better now than what it was 15, 20 years ago. And there's just more of an evolution that continually happens. And I sit there and I am thinking about this whole concept of, you know, giving women a seat at the table and, also poking fun around like what you're saying where it's it's this space of not living in fear and not being in a place of judgment is where we find freedom around all that does that make sense exactly and yeah and when i when i'm hearing your message it's like okay if there are differences between men and women and mm-hmm. if we if we're not living in a space of fear and we have mutual respect for one another we can poke fun and have some fun around it, right? And and, yeah. and it's not coming from a hateful place. And I think you demonstrate this so beautifully with your dead girl bubbles. <laughs> and I, I saw those. Like I hadn't seen one at the pre-interview, and then I went and checked it. I was dying laughing. And and it's a good example of you know it's not coming from a place of judgment. It's, you know, there are real stereotypes out there. There's stereotypes for a reason. And it doesn't mean everyone falls into it. But if if we can come from a place of mutual respect, we can have some fun around it too. Right. And that's what that was to me is you just kind of having some fun around it because I, yeah, I try to be conscientious. (laughs) You are a beautiful woman and you could easily fall into just being a woman on the hood. When I see it, I was I almost saw it as you kind of like poking fun at yourself, but just kind of having a little bit of fun around sometimes these silly stereotypes. Yeah, I've been in front of a car in modeling, you know, so I I've probably a couple, 
you know, so I, it, I never want to embarrass the model um, because I'd take the job too. If Gucci wanted to lay me across a Lamborghini, I would lay dead on that car and I would take all their money. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it, but I generally don't want to do that, but I'm just saying, you know, right. I'm, there's, there's no shame in what they're doing. It's just really funny because they, some of them really do look dead on top of a hood. But so, you know, I, I don't want to make fun of them. Can you explain the concept? <laughs> can you explain the concept? Because if the, the listeners yeah. can go to your Instagram and find them, they're, they're really funny. But <laughs> what kind of like, I, I was just looking for that. something to post. And it was kind of early on in my, my in Instagram stuff, I had gotten a little bit of a following and it was probably had like 5000 followers or something. And then I posted a girl on a hood, but she looked like she was dead because she's just laying across it like like she's been hit by the car, but she just was laying on it high fashion. It was, I think it was a Gucci ad. So I just told the story of her demise. And um, sometimes I'll say things like, you know, the, the funeral will be at Starbucks and Starbucks is giving 5% off, you know, the Frappuccino or whatever. Please wear Uggs in honor of Chrissy, right. you know, but just... <laughs> I just try to make light of the whole thing. And, and then that's where what's funny is that was the impetus for meeting both um, Mariana Small, who's the president of Porsche Club LA, who also introduced me to Automobile Magazine. So I'm in the magazine because of her. I'm basically Mariana Small has made me the woman I am. <laughs> I owe her everything. Um, and thank you, Mariana Small. Thank I you, know, Mariana. She's just an amazing woman anyway. She's, she's got, um, She's got another company, um, Accelerating Change, and it's for women. And uh, it's, she shares it with um, Christina Nielsen, who's um, a race car driver. And she loves to bait people into what I've heard, I, that she likes to bait men into mansplaining too. They'll be like, hey, do you want some tips for how to get around the track? And she'll be like, oh, tell me. And then she'll pass them. So that kind of stuff is, is kind of She's a race car driver. Yep. Oh, my gosh, really? Is that where I do? Is that? Oh, I'm going to take it there? Okay, cool. And then she passes them. So, so Mariana reached out to me and she said, I'm sorry, but I just have to tell you, I love your dead girls thing. And I was like, oh, it was going to be real popular or it was going to be not at all popular. And the people were going to start unfollowing me. Um, and then Abigail Bassett was the other one who's a writer and uh, she's an automotive writer. And she said, as a woman working in automotive writing, <laughs> she's like, I just have to tell you, I love this. And so it was really funny. And that's how we struck up a conversation. And I've found these strong, amazing women through it, you know, and it was just a, it was just a, it's a commentary a little bit on getting us off that hood, you know, and, and paying attention to us behind the wheel. And hopefully that will be the new lady on the hood <laughs> that we're actually driving. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. We're leaning on it with the keys in hand. Yes. Yeah, actually, Portia did um, a commercial, I think it was during the Super Bowl, where a woman's driving, and it was nice to see, you know, they just had a beautiful woman driving the car fast and racing around, and I forget, it's their big commercial that they just did, and, you know, it's just nice to have that, you know? It is. It's it's about the little things. Yeah. If you are up for it, Lara, I would like to launch into the red line round. Uh -oh. And what the red line round is, is it's five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Oh, Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? 
Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, I've worked with some really cool people. And one of the things I noticed on, for example, on set, if the director was terrible or mean, the entire crew was a hot mess. And if the director was amazing, um, and I'm thinking of a couple, like I worked with Gary Marshall and what an amazing man. And you can see through all of his movies and everything, Gary Marshall was so kind and so loving to his entire crew. And we were all equals and I was standing in for him and, and I was treated with such respect and he actually had um, hired back. Um, Gary Coleman was his, his security guard and it was adorable. Cause like he's the guy from um, what's the show from the seven different strokes, different strokes. And, you know, yeah. he just, he, he remembers everyone and he remember he, he's passed now, but he was such a wonderful man. And so I just, I think just as long as you go and you give it your all and you're kind to people. I mean, I just try to emulate the people who I think were great as directors. Not that I'm a director or want to be a director, but it just, I think if you're kind to everyone, no matter how small, big, or, you know, whatever, I think that um, that pays off. Uh, Very beautifully put. Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck? (laughs) always Google. <laughs> I Google to the point of ad nauseum. I mean, it's, I'm a information junkie. And if I get a question or if I, even if I'm watching TV and I'm like, how tall is that girl? I will look it up. I want to know everything about everything. I translate everything. You know, I, I want to know everything that's being said. I don't want to miss a thing. So I Google everything. I definitely have read and done all that stuff, but Google is can't you can't have arguments with Google? <laughs> you just Google it, and the <laughs> <Nope>. story's over. <laughs> Absolutely. And Laura, what excites you most about what's on the horizon for you? I, you know, I'm not a planner, not at all. And my life has taken me in so many different directions that I really do like to let it guide me because I, I, I obviously, I don't just let go and and just hope that people find me. I, I, I apply myself. And I think that's an important piece of it because a lot of people sit in their house waiting for things to happen for them. So I, I put myself in sometimes uncomfortable positions, like even being that Porsche girl is like, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> you know? It just, it just was something that on a whim I did. And, and at first I was embarrassed. I didn't share it with my friends. And so um, I actually had some people get mad at me because they felt I was leaving them out. And I'm like, oh no, I left everyone out because it was something that I was just going to do and see if it took. And if it didn't, that's fine too. So I think just trying everything, you know, has opened up so many doors I didn't think that would happen. I didn't think Automobile Magazine would want to put me in. I didn't think that Bart Kikens would put me in his coffee table book with Jay Leno and Jeff Swart and all these different amazing people. And I have just been in awe of, of the opportunities. You know, I got invited to do a rally in France. I, I just, in one year, so much has happened and these podcasts have come about and it's been so much fun. So I don't really want to put a stamp on what I'm going to do because I think that it'll all work out. If I let it be, it'll all work out better than I even can pretend it to be. <laughs> I, I love it. Just let the universe guide you. Yeah. With a little help yeah. and, you know, being in the right spots and trying to apply myself. But yeah, I think I think as long as I'm there and present, you know, maybe some cool things will come along. It reminds me of a quote that one of my mentors shared with me. I was going through this time. I'm like, oh, so-and-so just gets so lucky. And mm-hmm. he told me, he said, there is no such thing as luck. It's just 
when preparation meets opportunity. A hundred percent. And, you know, I get little people biting about, well, how, how'd you get those many followers? I'm like, I spent a hell of a lot of time. And even my boyfriend is like, uh, yeah, she puts in the time. And, and at first he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm like, back off from doing this, you know? And now he appreciates it because he understands this is a, not a job for me, but it's, it, you know, I'm not doing it to get popular. I'm, I'm doing it for an end. I love cars. I've always loved cars. And my passion has been around Porsches for my entire life. So I want to, I want to be involved in the world and just even how I'm involved, I'm happy with. But if, if more things come along, I just really am open to it. And, 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 you know, like I get things sent to me a lot and, you know, and, and it's been just such a cool experience. I'm just getting more and more coming into my world, but I spend the time and I, I don't buy my followers. I, I don't believe in that. And um, I understand when some people want to do that to get different things you can get on Instagram for having over 10,000, but I don't want any of that. I want to just see really where I stand, you know, and, and there's only that, that's only way to have the metric is to really, you know, put in the time, show your interest. And then um, people, people have been approaching me and, and it's feeling really good. So. Beautiful. Laura, what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck or discouraged? A personal habit. I don't get hung up um, and stuck. Uh, I, I've been rejected my entire life, you know, because if you go on castings, you're, you're either the best thing or you're not. <laughs> and so you can't take it personally. You know, I've gone on in, on. Uh, interviews um, where I was going to be in like a TV show and this guy was staring at me. I knew I had the job because they were picking like 15 girls and they picked all around me. And I was like, Oh my God, like what, what he's staring at me. I'm like, I either look like his ex-wife and he doesn't want to pick me or, you know, but he's staring at me and he (laughs) definitely wants to pick me. And I'm wondering why he hasn't picked me. And I didn't get picked for it. My friend did the show. So I just don't think about it. And, and, the more you dwell on people or one person not liking you or one person disagreeing with you, and it happens, I, I move on pretty quickly. I, I just move past it. Sticking with the past is going to just hold you back. So I don't. Sound advice. Sound advice. And finally, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in this automotive industry? In my world, I utilize persistence is kind of like my keyword in my brain at all times. And, and persistence doesn't need to be pushy. I think that persistence needs to be like with a one direction. If, if you're a great mechanic and you want to prove yourself, be the best mechanic. But if you're not a mechanic yet and you're working at a garage, be the best sweeper <laughs> and coffee getter and whatever, because you will move up. And I think that if you, if you show you're the best whatever toilet cleaner people will recognize that and i i've had that personally happen to me you know and i and i strongly suggest that people you know not think that something is beneath them to get into the right place to be seen heard and all that and and just be the best and stand out in a sea of regular people be persistent be be there be on time be smart if you don't know something look it up Google it. <laughs> Google should give me a, an endorsement for this. <laughs> 
Oh, we're Googling again. <laughs> right, right. We're, we're back to Googling again. <laughs> That's awesome. And where and how can people connect with you? Obviously, That Porsche Girl. It's uh, at That Porsche Girl. Um, I also have a clothing line um, with Gary Schechner, who is an artist, and it's called At That Porsche Gear. Um, so I'm on two of the, you know, we, we post up the uh, t-shirts and mugs and accessories and stuff that we, we've we been working on since the beginning of the year. And uh, I'm pretty accessible. So if you DM me and you have any specific questions, I'm pretty available. Um, I try to answer everyone. It's getting harder and harder as I get more people. So if I ever miss you, be persistent. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. Perfect. And Laura, Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show and share your journey in the industry and for doing what you do. It's going to take an army of women to change the stereotypes and break down barriers. And it's not women against other women. But what I see you doing is empowering other women, too. And that's what this is about, along with the men helping break this down. But I think it first starts with women in us believing that we belong and that we deserve to have a seat at the table. Yeah. I was on a zoom call this morning and it it was all women from our area, actually some one from UK, one from um, it was a woman in Porsche UK and we had another girl from New Jersey and one in Florida and we were just all bonding and, and, and Sarah from LA Dismantler got us all together and we just all jumped on and we all introduced ourselves and we're, we're bounding together and we're coming guys. So get ready. We're, we're all just trying to be, focused on on bringing women to the forefront as well and so that's why I'm really glad that you had me on your show as well and and that we can encourage other women to come forward and if they're if they're shy I follow any woman who follows me um if I don't follow you back be persistent and say hey follow me back I'm a woman because <laughs> I will <laughs> and and you know I just want to support any women who you know who we're all like-minded and we want to we want to do the same stuff you know absolutely thanks again Laura I appreciate it Thanks so much, Jamie. Hi, I'm Lara at That Porsche Girl, and I'm a femcanic. Barbie the welder is in the driver's seat next. She's an author, teacher of welding via her YouTube channel, influencer with over 62,000 Instagram followers. But most impressive is how she has become a world-renowned metal sculptor creating sculptures for Miller Welders, Carolina Shoe Company, Harley-Davidson, and other major companies. Join me next week as Barbie pulls back the curtain and shares her struggles throughout her journey. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?